DJ Darling, good morning. Hello, Rosie. And hello, Hi. listeners. And hello, listeners. Hi, everyone. Welcome. <coughs> Welcome to yeah. our episode, our first episode of Life and Death yeah. and Dirt, episode 01. We all made it. We finally made it. We finally it's... made it. We've tried uh, many Look. times. We're behind schedule. DJ and I both apparently are sick, but we're still going to bang this out yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, to get our passion you, project started. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, man. This is it. This is it. We're here. Finally. What? We did it. Yeah. yeah, feels good. Feels good. It does. So I'm your host, Rosie B. Uh, I Some of you already know me. Uh, and I used to be an ER nurse. Then I worked as a hospice nurse. And now I just want to be a farmer and a burlesque performer and a podcaster. And I would like to leave the medical profession. Completely. DJ, how about you? Oh, hi, yeah. My name is DJ Lewis, and, and I am a uh, I am a a jack of all trades, master of none. I just, I got a lot I got a lot on my belt, and my you know my belt is tight, and my farts are loud, and uh, that's how that's how I do it. Hell yeah! Yes. Yeah. yeah. So our this podcast, Life and Death and Dirt, um, like I said, is a passion project. We would like to focus on bringing accurate, truthful information about the dying process. We also like to focus on the life and the living process um, and dirt, because DJ and I are both hyper fixated on gardening. Yeah, yeah. I finally uh, dug up all my uh, all my where we have been uh, basically composting Nessie's uh uh, litter box and uh i finally got all that up it looks good the soil looks great it's a uh, it's amazing it's amazing to watch that and then we got our other compost set up beside the chicken house where we're putting all of our scraps and everything and um it's uh it's uh already growing all kind of crazy stuff and there's lots of life and it. it's just so amazing of course right now it's like the best is this just the best season to be out here uh we have so much like ironweed and goldenrod, and it's just like so much life, so much life in these fields. Uh, it's just a great time to be here and uh, be watching things grow and watching the dirt move into its fall. It's a uh, it's a uh, stagnant fall and frozen. Uh, yeah, all the, all the life coming and then dying and all the colors changing. We know how that goes. Oh, that's life. such a beautiful segue, DJ. And for people who don't know, who's Nessie? You mentioned Nessie's litter box. Who's Nessie? Yes, Nessie is my little is my little friend, my little goat friend who uh, who uh, who we love and we adore and we worship uh, and uh, we potty trained her and uh, she'll be the one. She she is the the prototype in the in the end of our of our singular goat experience. I would never didn't want it in a in a situation we were in with her anyway, but. Seems to have worked out, and uh, we're all happy. We're all happy to be together and be here. It's so great. So Everything he just said is true. He's not making anything up. I've met Nessie. She is a dog goat, but she will she's try to horn you in the butthole. She will. Yeah, she will. She, she will. will. Absolutely. That's how she shows her love. Yeah. 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 And uh, where geographically are you, DJ? I'm in North Carolina. And uh, yeah, everybody is yeah, so crazy. I don't know how to define mountain regions, 
But I will call this the Smokies, although it's really ap- the part of Appalachia. Like, it's not, it's like, and there's also another word, the Allegheny, the Allegheny or whatever. Allegheny. Mountain range, the mm-hmm. Allegheny mountain range. It's like all of that, all of that. So that's where I am. And, and I'm in the beautiful, I'm in the beautiful look. I'm in a holler. I'm in a wonderful old glory. That's what they call it. This holler is called Old Glory Homestead. Um, I didn't oh. name it, but that, oh yeah, <laughs> but, uh, oh yeah, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. Um, well, I'm coming to you all from the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York, and technically, technically, even though I'm a Yankee, because I was born and raised in Seattle, and now I'm in New York. <laughs> um, technically, I live in what could be considered the more the northernmost county that's still considered Appalachia I found so out yeah so I'm trying to become one of you <laughs> but that's in, in North, and that's in North North America right because the mountain range actually goes like through Ireland into the actual the mountain the oh, mountain range yeah the, so when they say Appalachia is uh, older than bones this goes back uh, to Pangea, you know, this mm-hmm. mountain range. Uh, and it's a, not as tall as other mountain ranges because it's so old. And like, there are the life that is underneath us goes back 500 billion years, dude. Like mm. Million, trillion, gazillion, whatever. It's a lot of zeros. <laughs> so much yeah. life. So much life underneath us. It's, this mountain range has seen so much life and so much death, too. You know, six different extinction, five different extinction events. Yeah, working on number six. Yeah, we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. we certainly are. <laughs> we certainly, but why wouldn't we? You know, and that's that's another thing, you know, going back into life, death, and dirt. It's like, why wouldn't there be this another transformation into the next one? I mean, I think the real, the, the real cool part about when you hear about mass extinction events and, and you look at them uh, throughout time is like each one has created a different, a new, you know, just the beginning of the earth is, is insane. But like since that point where we, it was just gas and hot and just volcanic fucking car, you couldn't, you know, from that point, how life has preserved and how we are here now uh, is, is, it, 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 whether it be dinosaurs or whether it be fucking uh, uh, single-celled organisms or giant insects or whatever, there has always been a turtles. natural. Always been yeah. turtles. There's, there's oh. always been turtles. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And now there's us. And now here we are. You know, so like the progress, it's just a part of progress. Death is definitely as much a part of the progress of consciousness or what else would you call it just 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 you know the 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 lit life it's just perpetuation of the universe i guess of of atoms and of total and of life and uh a friend of ours um wrote a a a poem uh uh we've talked about this It's, it's about mass anyways i think about it all the time um I keep on messing it up. It's like the law of mass, the transfer of mass. Like when you die, the same amount of mass uh, 
remains on the earth and in the and in the universe. Your right? friend wrote that poem. Yeah, Sarah. Uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't remember. She's in the uh, biscuit. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know Sarah wrote, W. She, yeah, she wrote Hi, that. Hi Sarah, one. I hope you're listening. Uh, she wrote that poem, and it stuck with me like forever. Talking about, you know, dinosaur dust on the moon, and like, oh. you know, how there's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, how beautiful! Oh my gosh, yeah, we should yeah, figure out. Uh, we should get permission from Sarah to plug that somewhere on our social media sure. or, or share it. Yeah. How beautiful. I know there's a, there's a poem that was shared on NPR years ago called you want a physicist to speak at your funeral. And it's uh, similar. It has the similar yeah. um, theme and it's beautiful. And I've actually read it at work uh, in um, when I've worked at hospice because we have memorials for the staff to remember their patients who've died. And I read it at one of the memorials and I mean, I was sobbing, everyone was crying. Like it's, it's beautiful, but it's, um, it's not religious in any way. It's, it's talking about the law of the conservation of energy. There you go. The conservation of mm -hmm. matter and whatever energy, energy is a massive amount of energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, man, so this, this all, this all needs to die. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it or at least it has to. And uh, and so the, and the seasons need to change, man. The seasons need to change. You're not wrong, but what is hard for some people to digest, including myself, is being there for it. Like <laughs> witnessing the um, extinction of our species. Because I think that we are very much. Well, again, this would be go back into our conversation about, we had this conversation earlier about having uh, well, what's what? What is this? This isn't death positive, right? Because we're just not woo woo foo foo. -woo -woo. We're, we're we're like I don't like to consider myself a conspiracy the uh, theorist. I like to call myself a conspiracy realist. You know what I mean? Like I'm not getting. I do get into conspiracies, but it's like, do I think JFK was uh could could have possibly been killed by our own? You know, was it was oh, it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, so, so it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, dude. Yeah, no question. A hundred percent, a hundred percent the people at Lockheed Skunk Works, these type of people have access to like what they call is uh zero point energy, which is free uh energy that that is you know infinite and like energy sources. Tesla was a they have not Tesla, not Nikolai Tesla, not fucking shit but that potato um, face guy yeah yeah that but they had I, like i believe that lockheed skunk works and like i'm and, and probably gm and, uh, and g uh definitely have access to this stuff and they are hiding it have they done it from reverse engineering spacecrafts do they do it just because you know from scientific study or you know or, or experiments or like whatever i don't know but i think that that's a, that's 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 a real and they did it for profit because if you put out, if you take away people's dependence on fuel and oil, well, dude, that whole industry, like what, what happens then? Like the economies, you know, what do the Saudis do? You know what I mean? Uh, what, you, you know, what do they do now? Their whole empire. Well, how does that, how does that whole region react to that? You know? Um, and, Welcome everybody to the very first episode of Life at Death. Right. Sorry. 
I didn't mind to get in on that argument. But just say, okay, so a death realist, a death honesty, instead of saying that you're death positive or you're death negative or you're death neutral because of all those terms. And, like, it's so hard these days to, like, not put a label on something because we're so we used to, to categorize we humans. And you feel like you have to today. Well, mm -hmm. I have to be on this team. I have to be on this team. Instead of being like, hey, man, all these teams suck. I don't want to fucking play ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the people are, oh, you know, it, well, what about, like, well, what about all of them? What about all, what about everything? You know what I'm saying? Why can't I just, anyway. Okay, just so I'm going to real <laughs> Thank you, DJ. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. For so, um, let's, let's revisit the death positive term because we've had conversations about this before. We call ourselves a death positive podcast. But we wish that there was a more neutral term. I said death neutral. You call it death honesty, which I really like. Mm -hmm. um, because death positive makes it seem like we have to be excited and happy about death. And like yeah. we're not allowed to grieve or or be afraid. Um, and that's, that's uh, I think that would be doing a disservice to everybody. We want to be honest um, because I know that I feel very strongly I'm assuming that you do too, about informed decision-making. I want people to have yes. the true information that they can get uh, so that when the time comes to maybe have to make hard decisions, they can actually make an informed decision. Um, and our society and our media, which I cannot stand, our media um, yeah. have done a, a major disservice in making yes. people think that the dying process and the end-of-life process is way different than it actually is. So... That's where the idea came from. But then on top of it, we hate billionaires. We're anti-capitalists. We love to garden. <laughs> and what else? We both have the addiction gene. So, yeah. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it all fits together. It all fits together. Well, we will certainly make it fit together. Yeah, for sure. So what got you into uh, the death uh, The death. Not the business of death, but certainly the, uh, what's the right word for it? What would you call it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, end of life care or death care. End of life care, yes. Yeah. That is a good question. And sometimes people have really beautiful stories when these, when they're asked, oh, what made you get into wanting to be a hospice nurse or a oh, hospice worker? And they have beautiful stories like, well, my, you know, my... Grandpa was on hospice and it was so helpful, blah, blah, blah. And I don't really have a story like that, but I thought about it. And I remember when I was in nursing school, they would bring in nurses from different specialties to come in and present to us like throughout, throughout the year, throughout the um, time in nursing school. So sometimes they'd have like a labor and delivery nurse or an ER nurse. And I, re I remember one morning leaning over to my friend and I was like, hey, what nurse is coming to talk to us today? And she was like, a hospice nurse. And I was like, oh, boring. Like I immediately dismissed it. And I was young. I wanted cool stuff, you know, cool stuff. Like What's cool ER stuff? or whatever. ER, oh, okay. which is what I did end up doing, which was horrifying. But <laughs> anyway, so the hospice nurse came. And even though I had dismissed it, like, oh, I'm not going to have any interest in that. I was riveted. I was like locked into her presentation. And I don't even remember what she said. <laughs> I just remember how she made me feel. <laughs> I don't know exactly what she said, but something about her presenting about her experiences being a hospice nurse planted this little seed 
where I thought, ooh, someday I want to do that. I didn't want to do it right away in my nursing career, but I always, from that point forward, was like, ooh, someday I think I'd like to do hospice. So I went into ER, um, which is out of control. Uh, so I, lot of, I saw a lot of people die in that environment, which in the ER, a lot of times people are dying who um, weren't planning on dying or it's like an acute emergency and you're trying to keep them from dying. And then uh, moved into hospice work a few years ago. And so I've seen a lot of people die in that environment as well, which is, is usually much different than an ER death. Um, and I could talk all about that, but I think that's going to need to be another, a whole other episode. Yeah. Um, so that's how I got into hospice nursing that, that one nurse that presented in nursing school just planted the seed that I thought, Ooh, someday I think I want to do that. Um, and a lot of people, when they find out that you've worked in hospice, they're like, Oh, I don't know how you can do that. You know, that's kind of one of the, the common, um, sentiments that people say to me which I appreciate. It's very sincere. And I, and they really do mean it like, Oh, I don't know how you can do what you do. Um, and there's a few ways I respond to that, but one of them is I say, Oh, well, do you have anyone in your family who's been a school teacher or are you a school teacher? And usually everybody does. So they'll say, Oh yeah. And then I say, I could never be a school teacher ever. Like it just, it just takes different people to do different, um, you know, roles in society. Uh, But also something that's interesting about being a hospice nurse is when you're working as a nurse in other specialties like ER or maybe ICU um, or even surgery and like the, just the regular medical surgical floor at a hospital, your ultimate goal is that you are trying to extend life and stop death from happening. Like that's the end all be all. And a lot of times, unfortunately, you can't stop death. Like we have all these treatments and uh, medications that we do, and we do CPR and all kinds of medical interventions to try to keep people alive and keep them from dying. Mm -hmm. And even after you've extended all of this energy, both physical and mental and emotional energy into people, sometimes they still end up dying. Mm -hmm. And so that I think can be much more taxing on a person than when you're working in hospice where if somebody qualifies for hospice services and they've agreed to sign on to hospice, um, you know, and they know that they will come to the end of their life and you're not trying to stop that process from happening. So there's something that's almost relieving in that you're not fighting death. Um, and so I think that that is a, is a way that some people are able to sustain working in hospice where you are surrounded by death but it's a much different environment and a much different energy than when you're surrounded by death in the ER or the ICU, but you're trying to stop it at all costs. I hope that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. It does. I mean, I can only speak for what I know of other people. So, I mean, what I've experienced with death has mostly been traumatic. Like there's only been one person who, I mean, people in my life have died, but like, I don't, I don't really know. And in, in prison, I've seen a good fair share of like traumatic type stuff, but nobody that I was close to or anything or nothing that I was actually involved in. And, uh, 
just only my 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 stepfather who died and uh he went pretty fast um he was 53 years old I think. oh young wow Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but he had been working in his factory for a long time in this dye factory, this dye plant, and the, and like, dude, the fucking chemicals fucked and mm-hmm. basically turned his lungs into like a honeycomb, plus like smoking and fucking doing all kind of fucking shit he wasn't supposed to do. He was exacerbated an issue that was just bad. And just ended bad. It all ended bad. But anyway, but uh, I think he went pretty good and I, everybody was real fucking cool. And uh, we were at a hospital and he didn't go home. But uh, so, other than that, I could say dealing with the medical profession and death is the only the closest thing that can come to is veterinarian medicine with Andrea and dealing with her. And there's not really like I guess probably there could be some hospice type stuff going on with animals, but for I mean you can have people come over and put your dog down or whatever, all that stuff. But uh, what I'm really talking about is it seems like. It's so much better, like if to be there for the comfort instead of being there, and especially dealing dealing with the medical profession and the way that it 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 exists now under capitalism, where keeping someone alive or keeping uh, something alive um, that is that is suffering is like a whole nother it adds a whole nother layer of of uh, of pain and 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 trauma to the situation it just seems to me like i know i couldn't do it i couldn't do either i couldn't do it, uh you know with animals or with people but it seems to me like if i were going to to take one that would that would prove to be the most satisfying it would have to be an end of life uh medical care because... It's very, very meaningful. That's the word that I always use when I'm yeah. when I'm talking to people about it. I say it's the most meaningful, some of the most meaningful um, nursing that I've ever done for people. Uh, and I think that that is what can help sustain doing this work because it is sad. I mean, it yeah, is. Yeah, course. like you. Yeah, we're sad and we cry for our patients and we cry for their families and. Sure. We have patients that remind us sometimes a little too much of our dad or our someone, yeah, or, you know, and that, uh, sure. you know, so we have a lot of our own emotions that uh, we have to process, but it's also, it's very life affirming and it's very meaningful. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Right. And, the, and then, and again, you don't also have to deal with like, do you have to deal with doctors and stuff like that? Like, do you have to deal with a lot of like bullshit from the medical profession from like, Hey man, it's fucking Dude, we need we need help. Not as here. often. Yeah, that's what I yeah, imagine. Yeah, not as often. But you'd be surprised. Um, you would be surprised, which is this is part of my mission, is teaching people about their end of life options because there are doctors yes. who are very anti hospice or are really afraid of it. Or they're afraid to admit to their patients that um their patients are coming to the end of their life as well. So we do get some some doctors who are very resistant. Luckily, the newer generations of doctors who are being educated right now like in medical school are getting a little bit more education about end of life um but the previous generation of doctors and everybody before them it was considered a failure like if your patient dies you did not do a good job as a doctor that was the ultimate you know ultimately the the message that they got 
So oh my God. Right. And so for a lot of them, that's really, it could be really scary or um, they could feel like a failure if they have to admit to their patient. Oh my God. Mm -hmm, that they, that the patient's going to die. Whereas that's ridiculous to put that, the onus on a doctor to keep someone totally alive in every circumstance at, you know, at, at every cost. Um, but that is how doctors were trained up for many, many years. They're just starting to to get more information and training about end of life. Oh my God. Yep. That's fucked. That's one of the things that's fucked. Yeah. So <laughs> doctors, and I tell people a lot when I, cause I do, I, um, I was a hospice nurse, like doing direct patient care. And then I became the charge nurse at this hospice for COVID like a month before COVID dropped. And that was absolutely traumatizing. Um, and I wasn't even in the hospital. So I can't imagine the nurses and the, the healthcare workers that worked in the hospital setting. But now I have, for my own mental health, I've had to step away from the bedside and stop doing direct patient care. But now I do a lot of outreach and education. And nice. uh, one of the points I always hit on when I'm telling people, uh, teaching them about hospice and their end of life options, is I say, okay, most people wait for their doctor to bring up hospice. Um, but doctors, they don't mean to do it but they refer people to hospice way too late, way, way, way too late for a person to get the full benefit benefit of, of true hospice support. Um, and so I try to educate people like you do not have to wait for your doctor to bring up hospice to reach out to a hospice agency and learn more about what services they have to offer. And if it might be something that would be right for you or your loved one. Uh, because yeah, a lot of doctors, they wait until it's like, okay, there's no way we can keep this person alive. Let's call hospice and have them come in in the next 72 hours. And um, unfortunately- they passed in a very painful, agonizing, terrible, awful- They can pass. So, you know, if we get hospice on board, a lot of times we can get people to a comfortable place, but it's in a state of crisis. I mean, we're coming in and it's like, oh. we're calling the pharmacy and we're calling the doctor and we're trying to get this person comfortable and we're getting the hospital bed and transferring them over. Whereas like if we had months ahead of time to to get these things in place, it could have been a much more smooth um, operation for this person. Operation, it's got to be hard for the patient as well, just all of a sudden having all these changes. Like, okay, now, now you're fucked up. Now we got people come running around crazy, people freaking out. Like, that's yeah. not how you want to go. No, no. So, yeah, unfortunately, doctors tend to, and this is nationwide. This is in New York. This is in North Carolina, across the entire nation. Doctors refer people to hospice way too late. Uh, but it's, most people wait for their doctor to bring it up because that's what we've been trained to do is just wait for our doctor to bring something up. What about instances where hospice is called too early? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so if, if hospice gets called in too early uh, and we, we assess a person and we say, you know what, you don't quite meet hospice criteria yet. Uh, but then we, we tell them, but if you notice more changes or if A, B, or C happens, please reach back out to us. We can always go back out and reevaluate people. It's not like you get one chance and that's it. Um, so I would much rather have people call hospice way too early so that then we can yeah. answer their questions and they can start thinking about what their options are. Right. You're not putting a nail in somebody's coffin. You're helping your loved one with the process you're helping yourself with somebody who is educated and knows what they're doing instead of you just thought and prayer in your way through a fucking tragedy 
Yeah, I mean, that's unfortunately, yeah, thoughts and prayers through the tragedy. That is, I see that. I see that a lot. But we're trying yeah. to change that because it doesn't for have sure. to be like that for people. No, no. And that's like that, you know, that that aspect, like I, I'm not I'm not at all. Of course, I think everybody is at some extent like scared of dying horrifically. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't want to get stuck in a wood chip or you know what I'm saying? Or like, you know, I don't want that either. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll put that. But like, it's like death is because, you know, I have a very, I'm excited about it, but I do understand it as being a of just this natural process. I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm not fighting it at all. I'm not welcoming it. Uh, well, I guess I'm saying that to say all this is like, uh, if it were to come to the point where it was like, hey, man, you know, I'm feeling kind of, you know, like, hey, how can I get as comfortable as I can as soon as I can so that, like, we can make this work? Like, yay, dope me up and let's fucking, you know, sit around the music while while it's fucking cool. You know what I'm saying? I don't guess. I don't know. It seems like that would be the choice. Not that I was making a decision to die, but I was making a decision to be comfortable that is um oh you just hit on so many good points uh you you cut out a little bit but i was able to make out what you were trying to say and i hope the listeners are as well so uh yeah another way that i sometimes explain the role of hospice to people because people have a lot of misconceptions they think hospice comes in and kills you a lot of people think that like hospice comes in and they give you morphine in order to make you die on purpose which is not what hospice does. And if I ever did do that to a patient, um, I would have my nursing license revoked and probably be in jail. Okay. Uh, so hospice does not try to make you die. You qualify for hospice because you already are dying, but hospice right. doesn't try to stop you from dying. That's where a lot of people have a hard time uh, differentiating that we are not trying to stop death. We allow death to happen, uh, but we don't, we also don't try to hasten death. So you're right. You're not choosing to die, but you're choosing, you're, you're prioritizing other goals. Right. In that scenario. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And is there a way that an individual can, let's say I get diagnosed with cancer, right? Um, and they're like, all right, bro, you got like three months or whatever, two months, a month. Uh, can I just go ahead then and be like, and I don't want to take, and I don't want to take chemo or whatever, because it's whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people uh, doing that. Like, anyway, is it, is it, can I go ahead and do that? Like off the top, is it, is it cool for me to like, or for an individual to be like, hey, as soon as I get this diagnosis, listen, here's a plan. And here's what, here's the plan that I want set out like i don't want chemo i want hospice to be here at this at this point at the point that i'm could it be like at the point that i'm i'm in con i don't want to wait that long do i 
Like, when do you know? No, no, you want hospice sooner rather than later. So if right. you or a loved one is in a, is in a situation where you know you have a terminal diagnosis or they know they have a terminal diagnosis, which terminal diagnosis means that there is some sort of disease process happening that is going to lead to your death. That's what, that's what terminal diagnosis means. Um, hospice is designated for people who have a prognosis of six months or less to live. So that means that two medical doctors, and this is built into the um, like hospice admission system, so you don't need to worry about it. But two medical doctors both agree that um, this person most likely, if they follow the average disease path, will die within the next six months. So that makes somebody qualified for hospice if they're not seeking any curative treatment. Like in this example, chemo. you said, yeah, you wouldn't chemo. want chemotherapy. So at that point, call hospice right away because they don't have to come in and do a bunch of interventions right off the bat, but it's a good idea to get to know them, um, get your uh, questions answered, get your paperwork filled out. And then if things start to change and you do have higher care needs, your hospice team is already very familiar with you and um, has a lot more time to, to support you instead of waiting until you're like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in this chair and I'm pissing myself let's call hospice now and have them come in, which I've been that nurse many times when you have to run in and, and kind of take care of somebody who's in a crisis, which we can right. do, but it's much better if we can, if we can um, establish that it, relationship. It seems like, yeah, see, to me, it just makes more sense. It just makes more sense to do that. I, I don't, I don't know what, and I guess that's where people get the death positive is to have an end of life plan and a plan for you and your family um because that just seems more appropriate i mean i just don't know how else to say it we fight that idea the idea that oh this is happening this is happening well no oh, the lord works in mysterious ways or oh they've got this and that and this and that. It's like, no, nah, man, like fucking what? Like it's hell to me that Jimmy Carter is still fucking alive right now. He's like still alive, man. Is he? He just I yes. thought he's right. <laughs> oh, oh, he's God, on he No, he's he, on hospice. He was. Right? He was. Like, uh -huh. I mean, is he? I mean, he was just at some know. kind. Of, I think. I mean, he might have been one of those that was in and then is out. I know, like took his brain tumor out and then like then he was just seen it at, at a folk festival or not a folk festival but some sort of like he was out with his wife and they were they were they were at some sort of uh get together gathering here very recently uh-huh uh, he could still be on hospice he could still be, be out, out, hospice yeah. and be out okay okay cool yeah i don't know why i thought in my head that you were just like at your house and weren't allowed to leave Oh, no, we want you if you can leave. I mean, that's what we want. If you want to leave, that's the whole yeah. um, the whole goal of hospice is to not only bring comfort, obviously, but uh, increase dignity and quality of life. And so each hospice patient gets to choose what that means to them. So oh, beautiful for so if somebody is like, hey, I really would like to be able to go to this festival because um, I've gone every year, then hospice would intervene to try to help you be able to go to that festival. Like, that's what we mm. want. Yeah, we want people to be out living until they die. Right. Not just like waiting right. to die. Right, 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 right. See, in my head, that was something that I had pretty fucked up. Um, 
You know why that was in your head though? It's very, it's mm. not uncommon that people have that idea in their head because hospice in general gets brought in so late. So late. That usually the per- the person they've known who's been on hospice was, was bed bound and not able to leave their, uh, leave their home. But that's because hospice got referred far too late. What about, let's say you're, you get, you get a call to someone who's like, indigent or without funds and need things such as diapers uh or like how does the meta how does does medicaid or medicare or does anybody like uh just sheets and things i not so much medicine even though i am curious about how that works with a person uh but but more so like uh, with diapers and things like that do you guys provide that some hospices do. Uh, the hospice that I've worked for is a bit tiny nonprofit hospice. It does not have the funds to be able to supply what we call custodial care items, which would be like oh, okay. diapers that's, that's or those absorbent that's... pads. Yes, but yes, if yes. we do have somebody who cannot afford them, um, we're not allowed to do it, but we do. <laughs> like nurses, do. social workers, we just magically do. suddenly have packages of diapers that show up at the person's house. You know, of course, and of course. we're not supposed that's to do right. that, but we do. Um, but also we have social workers who are a part of the hospice team and they can help people find resources to be able to, to, um, get the supplies they need. And then, uh, fundraisers, like anytime you bring up hospice, people are very, um, I can't think of the the vocabulary word generous. If you say, oh, we're, we're trying to raise funds so that we can, or we have, we're having a diaper drive, an adult diaper drive and people will be very generous in, in those cases too so we'll find ways that we can we can get people the the supplies that they need even if it's not technically covered by the hospice or technically covered by medicare or medicaid or other insurances and the uh the hospice that i've worked for is um you know most of our funding comes from medicare medicare uh hospice is actually a medicare benefit that's another thing that i when i'm presenting in services to the public is I point that out like this is a this is a Medicare benefit that you are entitled to and you have already paid for this like they take it out of your paycheck you don't even get a a choice your entire working life you've had to pay into Medicare and this is part of the benefit that you're entitled to um, utilize when when the time is appropriate um hi welcome back TJ (laughs) thank you thank you yeah Yeah. (laughs) we lost TJ for a second and I just was talking about Medicare. Yeah, that's yeah. that's cool. That's cool. I, I think I got the gist of it. Um, but that's good. That's yeah. good. Oh, so I what I was the ending of that um, was that Medicare pays for hospice services. Medicaid does as well, and most private insurances. I haven't seen a private insurance yet that doesn't have a hospice benefit. I'm sure there's some out there. Uh, however, if somebody does not have any kind of insurance coverage to uh, cover their hospice services and they don't have the financial resources to cover hospice, we'll do charity care. Like we would never turn someone away from hospice for inability to, inability to pay for it. That's abhorrent in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And all of our opinions that work there. Sure. Yeah. You're asking really good questions. You're asking a way deeper questions than I was anticipating for this first episode, but it's, clear that you have a lot of yeah like 
a curiosity. And I think a lot of the questions you have are the same questions a lot of people have. Yeah, we're all going to die. I mean. <laughs> God willing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are. And these questions, um, you know, part of what I think is so important about having these conversations now is that these are hard, hard things to think about. They're not always comfortable to think about it. But why would why do we wait until you're sick and in a crisis to then have to think about these questions and make these decisions like that's that's makes things even more stressful for people. So now is the time to learn about it. Certainly process it. Certainly. It's a it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm sure it's a lot for the hospice workers, too. Um, but uh, how much how much dealing do you guys have with doctors? Are there no doctors, or is there just like a doctor that comes in and it's like, eh, once a month, once a week, if there's a new thing going on with a person, or if there's like, or are y'all already prepared, bed sores, whatever possibility could happen? Are you guys already prepared, mostly for? Sorry, I put the stupid. Huh? To handle all of that. Oh no, you have the hiccups. Oh. I put a stupid zen in my mouth. It always gives me hiccups. Wait, what'd you put in your mouth? This is called zen. Zen. It's a, it's a non-tobacco nicotine pouch. And oh. they fuck me up. And I don't know why. <laughs> what did you just call it in your mouth right now while we're recording DJ? An addicted personality. I have to have something. <laughs> oh, okay, else. okay. Say no more. I understand. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So your question was, DJ's frozen again, but I'm going to answer his question. Uh, how often do we deal with doctors or how how is that set up? So uh, the hospice that I work for, we feel very strongly that we prefer a person's primary doctor to still remain part of their care when that person comes on to hospice services. And for a lot of people, that's actually a relief. Because sometimes they say, well, if I come on to hospice, what happens? Do I have to, do I lose my doctor? Do I have to sign on with your doctor? Um, because a lot of patients who qualify for hospice are elderly people, not always, but usually. And these elderly people have known their doctor for 10 or 15 or 20 years and they get really attached to them. And so the hospice I work for says, oh no, we actually prefer your doctor to remain a part of your care team. But we, the hospice team, will reach out to your doctor um, when we're noticing changes in you or if you need a different medication or if you need new, uh, you know, new equipment or new orders. Instead of the patient having to get dragged out and go try to visit the doctor and sit in the waiting room or sit in the pharmacy, That's... like we try to bring the care to them. And that and that is through, is that through the individual's insurance or is that through the hospital? That is through the hospice, which is covered under uh, most people's insurance. Okay. Okay. Yeah, most okay. insurances will have a hospice benefit that mm -hmm. will, this is how we get our funding. That's how we get reimbursed to provide this okay. care to people. Okay. Yeah. Now we also do have our own hospice doctor, our medical director, who is a part of our team as well. And so that person can be there. Like if I am with a patient and they need something right now, which let me tell you, Hospice nurses are the most impatient nurses, impatient. Like when we notice something changing with our patient, 
we want new orders and new medication within 45 minutes, like sure. right then and there. So sure. we uh, tend to reach out to our medical director if we're not hearing back from the primary care provider in a quote unquote reasonable amount of time, but ask a hospice nurse what they think a reasonable amount of time is. Because <laughs> when right. you're sitting there with somebody who's hurting, yeah. you want meds immediately or comfort yeah. immediately. Yeah. Um, so we have different ways that we can we can get what we need for our patients and we will take those ways. But we do try to, we try to keep their primary care provider, their primary doctor, a part of the team. We try to keep them involved. Sure, sure, sure. What else? Yeah. Those are really good questions. Uh, well, I think I, I I'm trying not to get too far into the weeds on things that would be. Uh, Sure. Uh, other other episodes or things of that nature because I have a lot of after that happens after your job is done uh, after the patients pass like it, do you just pack up and go home or well how does that work? Mm-hmm. Um. So hospice uh, services we are um, supervised by Medicare so by a federal agency. So we have lots of very, very stringent regulations that we have to follow as far as like what services we offer. So hospice is one of the, the hospice service itself is required um, by Medicare and then also bereavement services. So we have a whole bereavement team to support the loved ones of the person who died of hospice after the death. Right. And so that kicks in um, when a patient who's on hospice dies, at least this is how it works at my agency. Um, there is, uh, like an informational, that information gets sent out to the whole team so that everybody knows, okay, this person died. And then that activates our bereavement team and the bereavement team, um, will then reach out to the designated loved one of that patient and offer what bereavement services we have available to support them. And some people are happy to accept that bereavement support and other other family members and loved ones are say no we're okay um but then we continually have mailings and phone calls and memorials and um like perpetually throughout the years for people to to have that support and camaraderie with others who've lost loved ones and and have that um like the memorials for their loved ones as well and the staff all go to those as well we do do you guys have therapy? Do you, is there a therapy or bereavement classes for you guys? Is there anything of mental health services for you guys? They do. Yeah. Our agency, we have uh, once a month, we have uh, just like a little informal memorial with the staff members where we will say the name of every single patient that has died on our services that month. And then um, we can. How many is that? How many is that usually? I don't, I don't know. 15, 20, 30. We're a pretty small agency. Ooh, yeah. No, more eight. than I expected though. Yeah, we're pretty small. How many patients would you have? How many patients would you have in, at, at a time generally? So a caseload for our primary nurses, which is what I started off doing, would be about 12 patients at a time. And that's nationwide. That's a very low number, which is why 
it's important to work for a nonprofit hospice, which is where I work at a nonprofit yeah. hospice. Uh, the for-profit hospices will load you up with like 20 patients, 25 patients. And it's, wow. there's no, yeah, there's no way. So we would have about 12 people at a time. Um, but then like some, some of those patients are dying and then we're getting new patients. And so it's kind of perpetually staying um, around 12 patients for a caseload. And uh, what was I talking about? Oh, the memorials. So yeah, we'd have a monthly memorial where we can say the name, ring a bell, light a candle for each of our patients. And then if we feel like it, we can talk. We could talk about that patient or what we learned from them or how difficult they were for us. I mean, that's that's a real thing too. Sometimes, I think I mentioned it earlier, like I had a patient who just, he reminded me so much of my dad who died several years ago unexpectedly. Um, and I was like, this is really triggering for me to have this patient. He's so much like my dad. And that was not a good thing. You know, like my dad died unexpectedly yeah. years ago. Um, and we were pretty much estranged, but even that affected me so much that I sure. think about people who lose a loved one that they're close to and how that must affect them too. So there's a lot of space, at least where I work, um, to feel your feelings and be very vulnerable and, and, feel supported in your emotions. And I think that's very helpful. That's part of what helps people be able to remain in some of this work is having a really supportive, uh, very supportive colleagues. Yeah, totally. I guess the last question that I have without getting to, because I think that this would be another full episode of arrangements funeral arrangements does hospice have any say or any do you ever help with that your knowledge of the the funeral industry or do you guys have any kind of say in that or do you just end up sometimes just by proxy by by, by being there end up in that do you, by by funeral arrangements and things of that nature and we usually yeah, we usually end up just by proxy. Um, and actually, we have very, very strict policies that we are not allowed to recommend like certain funeral homes to people sure. or recommend end of life, you know, arrangements, uh, because that could be that could get into like a conflict of interest. But, sure. um, you know, sometimes people have questions and we're allowed to give them the information. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, they they get really, really, we have to be very, very careful that we're not seeming like we're recommending one funeral home or the other or recommending cremation versus you know burial sure um because that's not uh we don't see that as our role sure wow now personally i have very strong feelings that i'll be happy right. to share here yeah yeah uh, yeah sure sure <laughs> and we will we will yeah. definitely yeah i know a lot of people have uh expressed interest in like becoming a tree or the mycelium mm -hmm. uh becoming a mushroom place and we should get into all that oh, we will. uh yeah 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 well that's uh that's uh that's a lot i don't know that i have any other questions i've definitely uh definitely uh a lot to thought to soak in that um, those were very really good questions i mean it seems like you've thought about this yeah and i I'm definitely want to 
reach out to the guests out there that they, you know, we're here to answer questions, you know, for anything you guys, if anybody has anything, then, you know, please, please add a comment, talk, 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 and send us an email or email yes, or do. whatever. Message, I love you know, educating about this. Yeah. And yeah, questions. sure. Sure. And that's why we're here, right? This is what this is all about. Wow. So for anybody who does have questions or feels like they would like to reach out, we are on Instagram at life underscore death underscore dirt. Yes. Um, and that's about the only place we are. I told Twitter. That's to all we off. need to be. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, they can. yeah. So Instagram at life underscore death underscore dirt. You can message us there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we talked a lot about hospice and death. Now, what about life, DJ? What are you doing to feel alive these days? Oh, living. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, uh, great. Well, <laughs> as you can see, uh, uh, you know, well, we've been bailing a lot of hay. I don't know if you can see all the hay bales out I there. I see yeah, those big round bales. Yeah. 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 The gut. The. Uh, yeah, they are. I actually have a, a, no, a couple. No, let's not talk about it. Yeah. So, so yeah, we have uh, that going on. And, uh, you know, it's just the end of the season and getting prepared for the winter, of course. Uh, I live in a in an RV. So, like, there is this whole thing that happens during changing of the seasons where, like, all of this preparation has to be made and all this. And I, I like that. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I love it. I learn, I learn, I learn about construction. I learn about plumbing. I learn about all these things that I've just lived my life without knowing. And now, you know, having to put it in, learn it and put it into practical use in order for survival is, uh, it's just. Just what? Oh, no, he froze. <laughs> uh, let me oh, see sorry. if I can fill in. Oh, there we go. Okay. It's just what, DJ? Oh, it's just everything I want. It's just everything I want right now. I literally oh. have everything that I want right now. I've never been happier. So I hate I hate saying that. but No, that's beautiful. Say it more. Look at your face. It's like lighting up when you talk about it, too. That's so sweet. Yeah. yeah. Say more. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you don't just need get, to. Just getting ready to die. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are yeah. already ready. No, it's crazy. You know, you mentioned that video that you saw of me. I have been on TV a lot. I've been on a lot of stages. I have I have done a lot. I have done a lot of my time. And there is nothing that's ever been uh, more satisfying or fulfilling than to be here with, with the people that I love um, so, so very, very much in, uh, in this place that I I absolutely adore and uh took a lot of fighting but uh took a lot of learning uh you spent there's a learning these things learning these things these practical skills after a lifetime of uh not no of course i was in prison and when i went to prison as a child they don't there's no education in georgia you know so you're not oh. going to learn any skills that you would if you went to a juvenile you know, they would teach you stuff. You'd go to school and stuff like that. They'd give you a trade, something like that. But you don't learn anything as a child in, in prison. So after doing a decade in prison, uh, growing up, coming out in my 30s, not not having any of my 20s out on the street um, as a free person, 
that's a great big chunk of my life just gone and all my because the only skill that i had really was that i was funny and i you know could write and uh uh that was that was the skill that perpetual that i that the only skill that i had you know what i'm saying and 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 that business wasn't but that business the industry wasn't like people would not believe how much shit like not only that i've done but like what i've turned down and i'm not here to brag on myself or, or say anything like that it's not it's not one of those situations that's like it wasn't a fit like yeah i had these skills or whatever and i could do this thing but it wasn't a fit and whereas this right here i fit completely in and it took me 40 years to figure it out but uh and i'm still learning mm-hmm. and so learning is just joyful and I'm, I'm so happy to do it i'm still learning i don't think i can follow that with any, anything that was beautiful and like <laughs> your, your face literally lights up when you talk about how happy you are to be doing what you're doing now which what you're doing is um kind of returning back to nature yeah um yeah. Spending and, not, time with and, the... and not in a bro way. I I hate hearing people or in a woo-woo way. Like in order to, I think, to fully ingest this thing, it can't be a part of your identity. Like you can't be like a mountain man or you can't be like some... You, and, that's a, and that was the problem I was saying about having these labels and labeling things. It's like, oh yeah, we need to do this and we need to do that. And we need to... We need to we need to make sure that we're on the right team and like we make sure that people know that I am this thing, but like, like I just don't feel like I am a thing. I don't feel like there is a thing to be uh for any person. But uh but I don't know. What do I know? I don't know. I think you know a lot, DJ. I do. I think that you do. Um and it's it's Sorry, I had to go on mute to, to clear my throat up a little bit. It's back to school season, so of course all the kids got sick. Right. And uh, what I've noticed is, I don't know if it's our age group, because I'm the same age as you, or if it's just the people that we tend to, like our peer group. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of people who are doing what you're doing and what I'm doing and kind of becoming more interested in... Uh, having gardens or maybe trying to raise some animals or maybe, you know, being connecting with nature a little bit more. And like you said, not in a woo woo way, there's people yeah. who are very woo woo about it and God bless them. I wish I was one of them. I'm not, but yes. I do get the same kind of fulfillment. I think that you get from, um, yeah, like working in the garden and, and watching the garden soil come back to life yeah, season after season. And yeah. During when COVID really first hit, and I I was in a not good place mentally, like really really had a mental breakdown. Um, I would just go outside and sit in the chicken pen and just sit there with the chickens and stare at them, and that was like very therapeutic for me and kind of kept me brought me back from my disassociation that I was doing a lot of. Um, mm. And then the same thing with like trying to grow seeds when we'd start little seedlings and mm. just sit there and stare yeah. at them and like fiddle with them and move them around. And I wasn't really doing anything, but just, you know, singing to them, putting some music on whatever. for them. Yeah. yeah. Do yeah. all that. You know, for my situation, 
we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Nessie. And the whole story with Nessie, uh, she wouldn't be here either. She wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for us. And we wouldn't be here. And like, I wouldn't be, I would not be doing this. I uh-huh. would not be doing this if this was her. This wasn't on the plan. You know what I'm saying? This wasn't the plan. This just, so far, this happened. No, I was definitely like watching a lot of YouTube videos during COVID. It was definitely one of those things too, where it was like, well, now that we're here and that we have this opportunity, let's try to fucking make some, make yeah. some of this happen and see what we can do. And like, like we're smart, and then we find out you're you find out you're dumb real fast. But uh, but we're gonna the, keep trying. Yeah, we're gonna keep trying because yeah. it's so exciting. Like you just don't people don't realize like when your flowers first bloom or you see those first and then you can find out, Oh, I'm going to roast one of these sunflowers or I can make my own microgreens. Like people are like spending way like all this money to like make microgreens. And it's, it's amazing. Like the, the, the ability to have, to have the access to be able to learn all these things. It's a, it's a, it's a different thing, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this isn't something that was planned either. So that's another reason why I'm happy to talk about all this stuff and talk about soil and farming as well is because of how I'm just now educating myself. And I know that that that, that um, there's a lot of other people out there doing it. And that, But you, you listen to some of these people and it's like, oh my God, either I don't have that much money that that's I can go out one. here. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a huge one. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna watch this YouTube video well, I don't have a fucking excavator. What the fuck? Right. Like, I don't have a team. Eight acres. So, yeah, yeah, I can't buy. Yeah, yeah, I can't buy fucking 600 fucking, you know, square feet of fucking mulch. So, like, I'm going to have to make my own. I'm going to have to. I can't buy all these tools. I got to do it myself. All the I have to do it myself. I have to learn how to do it. And I got to put my back into it. I feel like I'm at the, also at the right age to do that. Like, you know, by the time I figure this all out, I'll, you know definitely will you know be up in the 50s and uh and then i'll be able to chill and i feel like your 40s are like a good in-between time where you're ready to settle down you know you're, you're like knees are creaking and like at least that's what i have i've i've experienced i'm definitely but like my energy level is, is still pretty much the same as it's always been or at least i think it is of course i don't know probably I might be a low T. What is that with low T? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, Do you have man, like vague what? chest pain, overall fatigue, and malaise? Could be low T. Oh, oh I, I, mm. dude, I heard this dude on his YouTube. Like, oh my god, I hate the fact that like when I go oh, into like when I go into like when labor strikes and stuff happen, I'm plugged into the news. I can't fucking help it. Like, uh huh. I'm literally watching everybody. I want to know what everybody's fucking saying. I'm like fucking in there going, like, God damn, you fucking mother. Uh, uh, anyways, so like, solidarity so watching... with UAW right now. Oh, yes, yes. yes. All, oh. all of our people. Yes, all the people, uh-huh. all the good, all the good people, man. All the good people out there fighting for their fair share. Goddamn right. Goddamn right. Yeah, it's such a beautiful time. Uh, an amazing thing. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple of secrets, but uh, one is, okay, well, first of all, uh, um the uh oh where where was i at what we were talking about low t and then you started talking about unions oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, watching, I'm, okay. I'm watching youtube videos so i'm watching a lot of youtube videos just the news around the world whatever and uh there's this guy he keeps on coming out he's like estrogen is killing 80 percent of men i'm like what I'm hell like, yeah what oh no <laughs> like, like oh shit 
Y'all, y'all, damn, this is terrible. That uh, did he cite his sources? Dude, none of that shit's real. It's all okay. real. It's all, <laughs> it's all that bro shit. You know what I mean? I hate that shit. I'm so <laughs> stupid. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. They're so stupid. All that shit is so dumb. And that's why, you know, it's so hard for me to be like, to, to really talk about this. And I love talking about it with you. And there are a bunch of people who are, I love talking about it with like Nancy. Just a few people that do the art in our community. Shout out Nancy. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> our girl. Yeah. She's doing her gardens. It's fantastic. Her, her shit's looking great. So good. Uh, her farm is like really good and coming together. Um, I'm so proud of her. It's really good. Anyways, what, uh, you know what I'm we were talking about, Oh yeah. Yeah, Low talking to people unions. about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah you start talking about. Yeah, you start talking about it, and it's like, um, it's like uh, it's with people, and then all of a sudden they just want to be like, oh yeah, the collapse of civilization. You got to know what this is. I'm like, nah, no, yeah. I'm piecing out. I'm, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm just growing corn and shit, dude. It's like I don't know what y'all are doing. Yeah, but um, this is not how it's uh, that's not how it's going down. Yeah. In a civilization, not going to be around for that. No, no thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah. I'm just here enjoying my life. I, I'm not preparing for shit. I'm just learning today. So. You're preparing for the next season, though. You are. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm constantly. And that's, dude, that's another thing is like the, the, where it puts your head, being so aware of the seasons, being so aware of the ground, being so aware of your surroundings, being so aware of the climate being so aware of like all this stuff is like oh my god dude i've never i've never been in touch with this like this is beautiful and i'm i'm always you know you've got to be always on to the next season on the next thing you're gonna do okay well we built the beds now we're gonna have to you know it's all stuff that you gotta break the beds down we're gonna get ready for next year we're gonna get ready for the winter we get ready for you know everything are we gonna can are we gonna can do we know you know are we gonna get botulism that's possible um but uh, no, I was going to tell you and our listeners, I have a secret, I have a secret Instagram, uh, which I'm not going to tell anybody what it is, but you could look where I harass You better celebrity. text it to me right now. I won't say anything. <laughs> I'll follow HIPAA rules, but you better text it. Okay, go ahead. Secret Instagram. Where, where I harass celebrities. And, uh, I, and I love this already. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So one of my favorite things to do is you want, so we were talking about unions and how we put support unions and everybody knows and if you don't know like the police are a hundred percent like strike breakers they are scabs career strike breakers they work for rich for the rich people they they that that's what they're there for they are anti-labor by definition uh-huh. You know, they protect capital. That's it. That's what they serve yeah, up protect is capital. Yeah yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So there is a country music person named Oliver Anthony who sings a song about uh, the rich people in Richmond, and he, he cries about poor people having fudge rounds. Oh, and okay, he's yeah. Supposed to, he's, he's supposed to be all this for the working class, and I keep on seeing all these pictures of him like posing with uh, all these police officers. And uh, hell yeah, back the blue brother. Ooh. I don't know what it is, but I never see him on a picket line. So I like to send that fucking picture to him like every day. It's like one of the first things that I do in the morning. <laughs> I send him a picture and I ask him, I ask him if he's a class trader every day. Yep. 
I DM uh, a picture of him. Do you him think he even understands what you're asking, though? No, 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 mm -mm. no, no, and none of them do. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like people are so like I will harass people online like savagely. Uh, but actually, I've you know honestly, I've really stopped doing that so much. If it's not like, but I'll DM a motherfucker all day. Um, but 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 it's because 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 people are really out of. I remember I said I called the dude a class uh, class trader once and and open and people were like, "Are you serious? He is literally joining the classes with his music." You know, I'm like, "Man, you are so you just like don't know, like you don't know, like you're so you're so naive and like gone. You're like so gone." And that's and that's the thing about arguing with people online and like doing it out in the open is like you're gonna get into conversations with people who are just so so uh so lost man it's so sad it's so sad. i wish i was one of them honestly it seems like a relief to just be yeah. unaware and and think Have that hope. like <laughs> biden is good and trump is bad and just right like, oh, just be having just like that i just wish like that. dude that's what's yeah. so crazy let's let's talk about capitalism and and like the fall of the 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 the, the just late stage cop capitalism is like, so funny what's going on in the government right now with them shutting down and like this whole like in inquiry into like impeaching Biden that's going with it. These people are fucking useless, man. Yeah. Number oh, one, theater. They're not. They're not gonna investigate fucking Biden for any of the corruption that they're doing because they're not interested in investigating for corruption because then they have to all be under investigation for corruption. Secondly, mm -hmm. fucking if 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 you just like want to break it down just to the to the why that this is never going to this impeachment is never going to happen is if you impeach biden then who you get kamala harris freaking top no cop herself yeah. Oh. Yeah, no. and on top of that and oh. like i agree i yeah that's 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 on my i agree with you on that but for them it's a black female man are you kidding me they would shit their pants they would shit they would shit themselves stupid they would lose their mind it's such a fucking game. It's so useless. It's all falling apart. Good luck out there, ladies and gentlemen. Grow something good. Grow you something good. <laughs> yeah, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. It's not going to get better. <laughs> it's not. It's just not ever getting better. They're all lying to you. They're all in it together. It's like, they think that it's the reason why Trump got fucked up is because he tried i'm serious the freezer this motherfucker got fucked up is because he didn't play he didn't want to play ball he just wanted to play ball for him he didn't want to play ball oh and like that's why you hear him say like some real shit he'll say some real shit about the military industrial complex and stuff like that he will and people think he's like god for them it's like no he just doesn't want them to get his money he wants to be able to, to control it he just you know what i mean i do know what you mean i know exactly what you mean <laughs> they're all fascist y'all they are. Start, no, I know they are. Oh start, my God. A, start a garden. Uh, start a garden. Yeah. Think about and get your ready. end of life wishes. Yeah, end of life wishes. Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's do this for next episode because I'm sorry, I got to go here soon. Uh, I think I'm we've gone well over an hour. So, oh, okay, plenty. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to beat the Christians to the to the store. Oh yeah. Um, um but uh, let's do this. Let's come up with uh, with some end of life uh, 
wishes. Well, end of life with Liz. Uh-huh. And then next episode, we'll uh, we'll compare notes. What could end of life? Oh, what we would like for our end of life? Mm-hmm. Oh, gross. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Gross. <laughs> Wait a minute. You want me to think about my end of life? Hold on. We haven't we haven't gotten into that. Okay, um, okay, okay. <laughs> well, we have other stuff we can talk about too. But let's talk about okay that and like the difference between. The difference between, I think DJ was going to say the difference between so, soil, soil and dirt. dirt. Because I think people would be interested. Oh, here he is. Yes. yes. So, uh, yeah, DJ and I both are really into farming and gardening, but have only recently got it, gotten into it the last few years. And we were laughing yeah. the other day because I said, DJ, how old were you when you learned that there is a difference between dirt and soil? And he said he was. Now, like well, not yeah, very long. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And that made me feel better because I just learned that too, just in the last couple yeah. of years. So yeah. we're going to talk about that. Um, don't feel bad about learning new things. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> do you need to go, go, or can I do one last thing? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So uh, the other evening, my husband and I went out to like this little cool lounge we've never been to before. And uh-huh. inside it has like exposed brick and all these little crevices in the brick and people like write notes and roll them up and stick them in the brick. And so uh-huh. you're supposed to pick a, pick a note, read it. And you can like write back to it, respond or whatever. These are the notes that we picked. I did not set this up. This is the note that I picked and I've got Great. this note right here. So this my note right. says, I think I am too hard on myself. Perhaps I cut myself off from enjoying life, being in the moment. I have a hard time with change. I don't understand it. And I don't always like it. Signed a Sagittarius. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm sure we can all relate to that. I feel like I want to write this person back. Okay. Here's the one that my husband picked. It says, you'll find more inspiration in a glory hole. And then somebody wrote back, suck your own dick. Perfect. That was perfect. That was a perfect answer. That was great. That was great. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Life and Death and Dirt. DJ, thank you so much for your great questions, for your insight into how horrible capitalism is and all of our politicians. I agree with you 100%. And uh, we will see you on the next episode, everybody. Reach out to us with your questions or comments at life underscore death underscore dirt on Instagram. And also somebody try to find Jay's secret Instagram <laughs> and send it to me, please. There's not like a lot of open. It's just for like DMs and like harassing them. Just for harassment purposes. But yeah, I'll send it to you. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all. Uh...